Welcome to episode 316 of Farmers Inside Track, your gateway to the world of all things farming and food production. I'm your host, Dawn Umdu, and today's episode promises to be both educational and thought-provoking. We're joined by Andris Furi, a senior agricultural economist at the Department of Agriculture and Rural Development in the Free State. Together, we're unraveling the world of agricultural markets, exploring the essential concepts and definitions that shape this vital sector. Our exploration begins with understanding the unique characteristics of agricultural markets, how they differ from other types of markets, and how these characteristics impact pricing and trading dynamics in the agricultural sector. Andres Furi, it is an absolute pleasure to have you join me on Farmers Inside Track. I feel like I've known you for a while. I was just teasing to say that we speak at least once a week and I'm always bothering you with questions about the industry and the amazing work that you're doing. Welcome to Farmers Inside Track. Thank you. It's a to speak to you in person and to our audience. I usually love to start with a bit of background of my guest, who I'll be speaking to just to understand where their journey started in agriculture, what got them to this point, and also just the experience and kind of what it's been like over the years. You've been in the industry for a while now. Maybe just start with a bit of background of you. You are a senior agricultural economist at the Department of Agriculture based in the Free State. But maybe just a little bit of background of who you are. Thanks. My interaction with agriculture started in 2002 when I joined the department, agricultural economist. Since then, we've been actively involved with our farmers, especially our emerging farmers. That's our focus area in our free state, within the free state and our department. I'm within actually the marketing section of our agricultural economic unit. We have a production section and then the marketing, and I'm situated um, in the marketing section. So we basically focus on assisting farmers with marketing-related issues, funding, etc., access to markets, and so on. But it's a very enjoyable ride over the years, sometimes very challenging, but also very fruitful in terms of personal experience and personal growth for me as well as in person. No, definitely. And I think you're perfectly aligned to our topic that we'll be focusing on for today. And it's specifically around agricultural markets, the concept and definitions around this. I think we talk about it so broadly sometimes to say, oh, the best thing to do is to find a market, secure your market. But understanding what the broader aspects are what the characteristics are, how the dynamics change, you know, all of that is much bigger than we realize. And so that's definitely the focus of what we'll be talking about. What are the key characteristics that distinguish, for example, agricultural markets from other types of markets? And how do these characteristics impact pricing, trading dynamics in the agricultural sector? I think it's very important for farmers to understand the beast they are dealing with. I'm always reaching to the farmers, knowledge is power, but through the application of that knowledge, you can create wealth. And by understanding the market or the agricultural markets per se, the characteristics thereof, makes life so much easier and also for you to identify opportunities. But when we can look at some of the characteristics, naturally, when we talk agriculture, you are subject to seasonal and cyclic nature thereof. So in other words, we know we work with nature, natural factors like weather, seasons, crop cycles, and Etc. And therefore, it impacts our production, the availability of crops, and the cost there. So that is one characteristic. Other one is we work with perishable products, which is not uniform. Some of our crops is highly perishable. You need to process them quickly, get them to the market quickly, and that sometimes also impacts on the pricing and the cost there. 
Another thing is farmers are subject to price volatility due to these factors that I've already mentioned. And also on top of that, agricultural market, depending on the commodity you farm with, you are subject to certain regulatory influences in terms of which impact on your production cost. Here I'm thinking of, for example, ESA gap and so forth, packaging requirements, labeling requirements. We haven't touched now on food safety, etc. Then naturally, we are part of the global village. Is this whole global interconnectedness. Whatever happens overseas impacts us. Although I'm selling local, my price is actually determined internationally. Here we think in grain, been recently affected by the Ukraine-Russian war, and we have felt the impact there on our own pockets as well. And then also, because we work with raw materials, the agricultural market is also subject to or characterized by a relative sometimes long supply chain. We've got a lot of intermediaries, I think, we might discuss it as well, which also prolong the value chain thereof and also contribute to the complexity of and added cost thereof. So that is some of the characteristics. And then maybe one can also look at the issues of information availability in agricultural markets, which is maybe more prone or easily accessible in other types of markets. But given the number of role players, not everybody is always on the same page and that creates this junction in the agricultural market. And another aspect that recently has come to the fore is that of environmental and sustainability issues. And here we are talking your free-range aspect. People are willing to pay premiums if I can supply such a product. It must be eco-friendly. Issues regarding ethical production. So those are some of the characteristics applicable uniquely to the agricultural market, which make it a fun and exciting place to work and operate within by our farmers, I assume. But also it gives a challenge to the farmers to always be informed of what's happening. So not to say I'm sitting there in the Northern Cape or here in a free state and I don't need to listen or read the newspaper. I must always ask the question, if this thing happens, how does it influence me Yeah, on that farm where I'm sitting? The way you've explained it, there are a lot of moving parts, Andres. And I think understanding that you're not on an island and that you're part of this huge value chain that has all of these you know, aspects to it is vital. Otherwise, you'll just be thinking that what you're doing here on your farm is insignificant to what the rest is doing. And I want to just focus on, for example, another aspect and something that you can also elaborate on is the concept of perfectly competitive agricultural market. What does this mean, a perfectly competitive agricultural market? What conditions must be met for an agricultural market to be considered perfectly competitive? And how do deviations from this ideal affect farmers and consumers alike? In theory, we can talk a lot on what is a perfectly market, but if we can look at some of the characteristics that we would like to see in a perfectly competitive market, firstly, is that of many buyers and sellers. You don't want a situation where, which is skewed, where you've got maybe a number of producers, but only a few buyers. Because in many instances, our farmers are price takers, but if there's more buyers and sellers, we're leveling the playing field. You've got the options to, to, to sell to. If I'm not happy with this, I can go to the others. Then secondly, in terms of perfect competitive market, you would like to have homogeneous products, very identical, which we know which is not applicable in agriculture. We can just think of half a watermelon. You get different sizes and therefore different pricing mechanisms or prices applicable. That is one. Then also perfect information. You would like to have all the role players have all the information available so that informed decisions could be made by everyone. That is one characteristic. Then ideally, you would like to also have easy exit and entry into a market. In other words, in order to start producing, providing a service, should be easy. But we know in agriculture, that's not always the case. 
there's a lot of resources needed sometimes, which cost us money just to enter a specific market. And that is sometimes a hindrance for many of our farmers. Then also, you also would like to have, and it's linked to actually the number of buyers and sellers, issues of no market power. You don't want a situation where either a buyer or seller affect the power over the supplier or buyer or seller and in doing so skewing the price. So that is some of the characteristics of a perfect competitive market. But as I say, we deviate. We try to strive for it, but in we live in a real world whereby we see that market power is real for us. Depending on the commodity you, you supply, you've got limited options in terms of who will buy. Also, there's product differentiation, different sizes, different types. That has an impact on it. Also, information is not always available to all of us. And that's why we in the free state actually has put in place some measures to inform our farmers that they all know what is the current pricing information available so that whenever he must make a price or he's asked for a quotation that he knows that this is the going rate. So therefore, I can opt to sell at this price. From a consumer side, there's always other options that also affect their decisions in terms of buying in the market, things of price variability throughout the season, also issues of limited choice. They would like to preferably have a wide choice, sometimes due to conditions, there's limited choice available, so therefore they need to buy of what's available. So that are, that are some of the main characteristics and the impact it has in the market. So I think it's important for our farmers to realize, look, that's the ideal, but I live in the real world. And I need to overcome some of this and see how I can manage myself, my enterprise in overcoming some of these challenges. Of course, we live not in a perfect world. In the context of agricultural markets, what is the significance of price? I think you mentioned now briefly where farmers are price takers and also the discovery mechanisms and how do various factors such as government policies, technology, and you've also spoken about information, so the access to information, this being available, how does this influence price determination overall? If we can maybe just briefly look at the main three aspects that I can quickly think of, first one being government policies that you've mentioned, and yeah, we can think of, or not so much applicable in South Africa, but subsidies do affect, because remember, if something is subsidized, it lowers your production cost. And for us in South Africa, I think this is relevant because especially when we talk internationally, we compete against farmers which are heavily subsidized. So we need to be creative and say, but how can I overcome, how can I effectively compete against other suppliers, other producers, which where the playing field is not level. So that is important. Then trade policies does also play a role. And recently we've had the BRICS engagements, which open up some markets for us, which is, I think, on positive. But some of the trade policies can also be limiting for us. And speaking practically, we all know in terms of livestock, Namibia sometimes closes its borders and says, listen, first, we can't export. We first need to satisfy our local market before we can export. Here in the Free State, for example, our vegetable farmers can't supply Lesotho during certain times because they've closed the borders. They first want to give local farmers opportunity to, for example, to sell their own cabbages before they can import from South Africa. So trade policies plays a role. And then also part of government policies is regulation. And if we think practically, here we are talking regulations that address product quality, safety, labeling issues, and all of those impact our prices. I don't know, some of our listeners might be involved in SA gap. That has a cost implication. And recently, I think issues that has become more 
pertinent for our farmers is that of biosecurity issues. We are thinking of food and mouth diseases, thinking of bird flu as well, and that has an impact. That has also a cost for our farmers in, in order to address. So that is pertaining to government policies. If we move to technology, there's a number of technologies that focus on productivity enhancements. Here we are talking development in terms of seed, high-yielding crops, precision farming. We now we all know about the drone issue, drone the, the utilization of drones and the impact that it has. Mechanization, precision farming, and all of that has an impact on our production, either lowering our production cost per unit, or sometimes we feel actually costing. It raises the entries to a specific industry. Then also information technology, the uses of satellite, uh, the availability on your phone, seeing the conditions of your crop, of your grazing, of your soil moisture, that has impacted operations on a daily basis. And then last aspect is that of information availability, that of market information. So what is the levels of, of production in the market, expected production available? And yeah, our crop estimates committee is a good example, whereby they then publish information that's available to all role players. So therefore they're on the same field and they then can take uh, informed decisions. So crop reports is a good example there, where which various agricultural commodities organizations issues, but also information on global factors. I think it's also crucial for our farmers to take note of. We've alluded to that as well. So I need to take note of what's happening in terms of currency, trade policy, what is the issues pertaining to global supply, although I might be supplying the local market, the international supply status is impacting these. So therefore, all these price discovery mechanisms are influencing our local farmers. It's sometimes very complex, and we need to understand how they contribute to either stabilizing or sometimes distorting our prices in our local market. And then obviously, this doesn't even take into account other factors like protest action, ESCOM issues in our country, for example. The issues around insecurity, just listening to you, talking about it and talk through it. It's this big cog that we're trying to just move and keep going and keep going and keep going. And it's just so interesting to be able to understand that better just from my side and my perspective. And I hope that our listeners are enjoying it as much as I am. My next question is around how do supply and demand dynamics interact within the agricultural market? You spoke briefly now about some neighboring countries closing their borders. And also, what are the factors that can lead to fluctuations in both supply and demand for specific agricultural products? Now, ideally, the equilibrium price and quantity is where your demand and supply curves intersect. Now, those of you who remember Economics 101, but of course, we are subject to a lot of influences. Um, and and the, the, the equilibrium price is under pressure or influenced by these various factors that we've already discussed. So therefore, you get either factors that influence on the demand side, and we'll have a look at that, flies at that. So therefore, this then results in curves on our graph, which then impact on, in movement in terms of price adjustment, either in terms of increases or decreases. And if we can have quickly have a look at some of the factors that is affecting, for example, the supply side. Here we are thinking of weather and climate. And we don't need to tell our South African farmers the impact of the recent weather and climate or too much rain or too little rain that it had on their production and therefore also potential products available at the price they are. Also, pests and diseases. I've already alluded to food and mouth and bird flu, which impact us because there's got a cost involvement. Also, issues of technology advancement. Because if technology enables me to produce more, it increases the supply there, which has an impact on the pricing. 
Then also, and that's a little thing that, I mean, if our farmers aware of is that of land availability, of course, we work with a natural resource. If there's mining activities taking place, or for example, recently in the Free State, we had a mining accident, which has resulted in the removal, if I can put that in inverted brackets, of productive area, which means I've got less of land available in order to produce. That has got an impact. So there's a number of factors besides this that I've mentioned that influence, for example, on the supply side. And you've alluded, for example, to our own South African, let's say, conditions in terms of load shedding, our infrastructure, because if the road conditions is such that the people is not willing to come and load my products on the farm anymore, I need to make a plan. Either do it myself, or and that has got, for example, a cost implication for me, or it can result in me saying, but I'm not going to produce so much anymore, or I'm going to change to a different commodity. Um, but if we look at the opposite side in terms of demand factors, naturally population growth has an impact because the more people there are, the more mouths there are to feed, and naturally they demand more. So that is that is a resulting impacting you on your price. Income levels. Now in South Africa, I know it might not feel like it, but in general, income levels increases over time. And as people's income levels rise, the demand, the type of products they buy differs. And this is all referring to pro- consumer preferences. Now, South Africa, we say we richer we become, the less pop we eat, the more meat we eat. Because now, instead of utilizing maize to make porridge, we utilize the maize to feed the animals which we eat. So all these things play a role. Naturally, government policies play a role in terms of our demand side. You know, a practical example, our zero VAT percentage levied on certain foods in order to make it more affordable for certain income groups. Then lastly, also trade, the national trade plays a role. Because if... We, our poultry farmers is aware of this. If product dumping happens, that puts our local production under. So, so those are some of the factors that affect our supply and demand of our products. And, it, and our farmers need to understand what's happening. If there's a new regulation, new law, or if we talk about Agawa, the impact of again, farmers need to read and understand and also to then ask the question, but how does this affect me? And also when we're planning for the next season, what are the experts saying? Do we need to make adjustments? What do I need to do? So if need be, talk to the expert in terms of processing this and understanding all this information and pick the off on farm level. No, definitely. Again, I cannot reiterate that there are so many moving parts when it comes to this. And I think that there's insights that you can obviously call on experts like yourself to explain and kind of break down in more detail. And that is important. I don't think farmers should think that they're isolated and they have to take all of this on. I think the role that everyone plays along the value chain is important. And I hope that they continue to access this information and find it um, because it is out there. And we hope through Farmers Inside Track and with this masterclass and all of our information that we shared continuously helps with that process and understanding. My next question would be around some of the insights that you could share into the role of intermediaries such as wholesalers and brokers in the agricultural markets, and how do they contribute to the efficiency or inefficiency, in fact, of these markets specifically? The is sometimes a very touchy subject, depending on who you talk to in the farming community. But love them or hate them, they do play a significant role in agricultural markets. Now, if we look at the roles they play, first one is that I can quickly think of is that of market access. Now, intermediaries provide farmers with access to a broader market. Farmers may not have the resources or the connections 
to reach a wide range of buyers, but intermediaries often have established networks and market relationships. In doing so, instead of only supplying one local buyer, I can supply a wholesaler who then distributes nationally and doing so assisting in creating more market access for farmers. Another role that intermediaries do play or assist with is that of price discovery. Intermediaries help determine market prices by actively participating in the buying and selling transactions. And here we think, can think of just the grain sector. Your traders that is play that important role. They also assist with the gathering of information about supply and demand conditions and which contributes also towards price discovery for our farmers. So they are crucial for us. As I say, sometimes we don't like them, but yes. But another factor, they also assist with risk mitigation. And this is whereby they help to assist with price risk for our farmers. They offer, for example, forward contracts or price hedging. Again, you know, the grain market is, for example, uh, um, an ex- as ex- they provide our farmers with some price stability and risk mitigation by taking on these risks on their behalf. Then also, many of our intermediaries assist our farmers with logistics and distribution. A number of our farmers, these intermediaries come and load on the farm, assist with distribution. Our farmers don't need to do it, therefore, on their cost. Then also, some of these intermediaries, depending on the commodity, also assist with quality control. They buy in bulk, then they repackage and they source. In doing so, they ensure products of high quality that reach the the final consumer. And then naturally, your intermediaries assist with matching supply and demand. Because if we think again of the grain market, they don't dump everything at once on the market. They keep back and they release as needed. Because our farmers don't have the necessary storage facility, they do have it. And doing so, they assist in matching our supply and demand to the market. Now, that's on the positive side. On the negative side, yes, you've alluded to that sometimes they do contribute to inefficiencies. Yeah, typical examples that of market power, not sufficient buyers in there for, and therefore they skew the market demand thereof, and therefore pricing for our farmers. Also, issues of information availability. Not information is always available to our buyers, and sometimes entities do possess inside information, which then lead to unequal bargaining power for our producers. Also, this is a very sensitive topic, is that of transactional cost. Because remember, the more intermediaries there are, the longer the value chain, and naturally, therefore, sometimes the smaller the share of the farmer in the final consumer rand. And you've seen a number of articles on this and how this is reduced over time. And then also, although we said they assist with quality control, they can also, due to the nature of our supply value chains, there can be sometimes quality control issues as a result of the intermediaries involvement in the value chain. So therefore, overall, they play an important role, but one should also be aware of that it's a complex situation and sometimes there can be some inefficiencies that we need to look at. And I know the government is looking at it and therefore we actually have the competition commission that addresses some of these inefficiencies of our intermediaries. I think understanding this is vital and understanding which role each person plays along the chain is important. And thanks for that clarity and information, painting those very two clear pictures for us. My last and final question is around international agricultural markets. And I want to understand some of the challenges and opportunities presented by these international agricultural markets 
and specifically how factors like trade agreements, tariffs and global demand impact the competitiveness of agricultural products on a global scale. I think you have touched on this throughout the conversation, but if you can just give a bit of focus on this once again as we wrap up the conversation. Thanks, Andres. Exporting do offer a lot of opportunities for our farmers, but it's not for everyone. But if we can look at the challenges that farmers or general agricultural sector face when considering to export is one is, we've referred to it already, that of trade barriers. That can be in different forms in terms of tariffs, which we, for example, in South Africa apply to imports as well. Import quotas is another example. Then there's sometimes non-tariff barriers. And a good example is for our fruit farmers who recently once they exported the citrus to Europe, where they introduced new regulations in terms of the culture, um, which we felt, but why applicable to us, not other producers in other countries? So uh, one sometimes questioned the reasoning behind the introduction of such tariffs. Then also market access plays a role, and the role of bilaterals and so forth is to open up and free the international market, but various countries is very protective of their own production, their own farmers, because they represent a very important constituency for the politicians and therefore they're very protective of them and that and they are very sometimes very reluctant to do so but also from a small scale producer perspective it's not always so easy to access markets um, there's a very costly affair it's a long process and therefore it's not something easily considered but there's ways and means how to go about and i think there's a number of success stories in south africa whereby our small scale farmers did access uh, international markets naturally Another challenge is that of price fertility, because as soon as you start talking export, you should also talk about your currency exchange rates, international weather effect, events that plays a role, global issues in terms of, we've, we've referred to the war in Ukraine as well, that impacted us. So price volatility is a definite uh, challenge for, for farmers, especially when you talk long-term contracts, negotiations, making decisions, am I going to produce, etc. Then also global demand fluctuations. Although in South Africa, we do have a fairly good understanding of our local market and, and consumer demands. The last challenge that I think we need to take note of is that of global demand fluctuations. Um, and although sometimes our farmers is only focusing on the local needs of our local customers, we also take note of international preferences because our international clients might have different preferences and their different demands. Uh, compared to our local market. So therefore, one needs to take note of that. Then when we look at opportunities very briefly, naturally is market expansion. If I can export, naturally I, it means I can expand my market. I, I become less dependent on our local market. It is a source of income. It's assist with diversification. Not all your eggs in the same basket. It's nice to earn some dollars and euros again compared to RAND. Then also another opportunity is by being involved internationally I get to know into new technology. So there's actually some technology transfer that takes place in the whole process that I could learn from the from the best and that also implemented locally. Naturally, from an economic point of view, if I increase um, production, um, economies of scale starts to tick. So I lower my, lo- my, lo- my production cost, which also then can assist me with my local market as well. Um, and then opportunities, another opportunity, last opportunity, it is that of uh, trade agreements. We've seen uh, that of now with the BRICS uh, engagement we've had, opening up new markets so farmers need to take note of. And then also, what are the requirements for that specific market if I would like to enter that specific market? So in, in general, 
Lord, I think that that's it in terms of the challenges and opportunities. Thank you so much for joining us, Andres Fouri, a senior agricultural economist at the Department of Agriculture and Rural Development in the Free State. The work you're doing is amazing. And you can, of course, read more on this topic by visiting www.foodformzanzi.co.za. And that's a wrap from me, Don Numdu, our technical producer, Megan van der Fent, and the rest of the hashtag Team Food from Zanzi. Thanks for listening. Life in South Africa can be a lot. I mean, scroll through Twitter for a minute and tell me I'm wrong. Thank God for South Africans though, right? We're inspiring and even on the bad days, we fight back with a smile. That's why I love Food Form Zanzi so much. They're not ashamed to celebrate the ordinary unsung heroes who work every day to put food on our nation's tables. Go to foodformzanzi.co.za and never miss an inspiring story.